Good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to Local Church Dawson. Uh, my name is Chad. If we've not met, I'm just one of you. I'm a member. Brian's away on vacation this week, and so he's just taking some time off. So welcome. Memorial Day weekend and a little, uh, little extended weekend for us, so that's always good. And school is out. Yes, kids. I expected a little more excitement, but there we go. There we go. Parents, I... I know what you're feeling, all right? So, uh, man, just excited, and uh, summer's here, so we're, we're excited about that. In fact, next week, um, Brian returns. He's going to be kicking off a series in the book of Psalms over the summer. And so, uh, all summer long, we'll be looking at different Psalms and just kind of what impact they have on our lives. And so, uh, it's going to be really, really good. So, b- please, just m- kind of make it a point. Make church priority, uh, even though, you know, there's other things to do, <laughs> all right? So uh, this morning, we're going to capture and, and kind of conclude the, uh, the series that we've been in called All In. So we've been talking the past several weeks about how God has called us to be all in, just kind of push everything forward and say, hey, God, I know that you've called me. You want me to follow you. You want me to help lead others, love others. So what does that look like um, for me? And so God's called us to be all in. And so I want to kind of conclude with this thought. This thought is this, is that we... We, collectively, can be all in because ultimately God was all in, all right? So we can be all in, we can follow, we can be called out, we can love and lead others and have faith and push everything forward because God already showed us how to do that. God was all in. So let's do this. Let's go back 49 days ago from today, all right? 49 days ago from today, we were all in here and we were celebrating an incredible, special event called... Easter, yes, there you go, some of y'all, like, I have no idea. It was Easter, Easter Sunday, 49 days ago, Easter Sunday, all right? So you fast forward, we're now 49 days, and when you look at it in history, this is an exceptional day in history as well, and we're going to be talking about that today. So let's think about that. So 49 days ago in history, Jesus resurrected from the dead, crucified, buried, rose from the dead, We celebrate that. We celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus came, conquered death and sin to be able to make us and have a right relationship with God. And so we can celebrate that and we look at that in history. So, but Jesus, after he rose from the dead, there was a 40-day time period that Jesus appeared, that Jesus came and appeared in front of others. So in that, Scripture indicates he appeared in front of disciples multiple times. So he had just kind of appeared. He appeared in front of the apostles and met with them on several occasions. Paul records it in one of the greatest creeds in Scripture in 1 Corinthians, where he appeared in front of 500, and he said some of them are still alive, as Paul was writing the the letter in 1 Corinthians. So he appeared to 500. And so Jesus appeared, and then in that 40th time frame, 40th day time frame, Jesus ascended to heaven. They were gathered, saw Jesus go to heaven. And then, kind of a seven to ten day window, there was something that's going on. And then in history today, as we commemorate and look at today, there was something exceptional that happened in history. And that's what we're going to be looking at. It was the promise of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would come, that the Holy Spirit would be present. And so we're going to be talking about the role of the Holy Spirit and how ultimately it was God's gift for us to be able to go all in, because he did. So when I talk about the Holy Spirit, some of you, you're getting excited. You're like, 
Some of you come from a charismatic background, and you're like, it's about time. We're, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all got all excited, and you got a little giddy. For others of you, y'all, I know where you grew up, and you're like, you put the seatbelt on and kind of pulled it a little tighter, right? Like, hold now, let's not get crazy, all right? So I know there's kind of those people in, in here. But when you look at it and you think about, all right, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in my life? My bet is that most of us, we really don't know. We just don't know. We, we, we maybe have grown up and we kind of understood, but it's not discussed enough. And maybe we just kind of lost the idea and concept of what the role of the Holy Spirit is in your life. And my hunch is on this. There's a Christian researcher. He does research around um, church and church life and what Christians think. And he found this, that 62% of self-identified born-again Christians, that's 62%, they said that they don't believe that the Holy Spirit is a living active being they think the holy spirit is a symbol of god's power of god's presence or purity and i would say that 100 percent of that 62 percent don't read their bibles all right i mean when you read the scriptures and you look at the scriptures god is a triune god distinct unique Three different, unique characteristics of, that make God of who he is. And so when you look at the triune God and you see the uniqueness, you see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is active. He is personal. He is alive. He is, in, in, in terms of personal, he has emotion. You see that in Scripture. He has will. He has intellect. And you can see that in Scripture. And so the Holy Spirit is active and alive. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Sometimes we say it, you know, like this cloud of, you know, whatever, and he just, or it, shows up. He is not an it. He is the Holy Spirit. Just as much as Jesus was God in man, the Holy Spirit is God in spirit. And so it is, he is the Holy Spirit. So it is for us to understand that He is personal. He is part of our lives. And for us to understand that and grasp that is critical for us this morning. Now, there's so much that we could tackle in this, y'all. There's there's tons of, we're going to be looking at it. We're going to jump around in scriptures and things like that. And so as you think about it, I want us to make sure that we understand a couple of things. Number one, the Holy Spirit has always been. The Holy Spirit, you can find him in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the deep surface of the waters even in creation. You can see the Holy Spirit's activity in the hearts and the minds of kings. You can trace the acts of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament. And then you get into the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we kind of discover, oh, Jesus is now talking about the Holy Spirit again. And so Jesus, as he was talking to his disciples, and remember, He's, he's making sure that they understand. He's preparing them. He's teaching them. He's walking this kind of ragtag group of disciples who are trying to figure things out in life. And he's, he's commanding them, talking to them, instructing them, showing them. And so he's making sure that they are ready for when Jesus leaves. So he knows. He knows, I'm about to leave. I'm going to depart. I'm not going to be here any longer. So what does that mean for you as a disciple? What's, what's going to happen? And they're confused. They're like, wait, what, you're, you're going to leave us? I mean, we've been able to be asking you questions. We've been able to just kind of walk with you and learn from you. And now you're going to be leaving us? Man, this is, this is big. 
But Jesus said, listen, I'm not going to desert you. I'm not going to just depart from you and, and just leave you high and dry. I'm going to send someone. And so Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. And so let's start in John chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, again, we're going to be kind of jumping around. I'd encourage you, if you have a pen, <clears throat> lipstick, I don't care, mascara, whatever you want to you know, underline with in your Bible, go ahead, pull it out. We're going to be looking at several texts and some words that are just key for us to really understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. All right? So let's look at it. John chapter 14, and he says this, I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate, and so it's another name for the Holy Spirit, the Advocate. In some translations, it will say Helper or Comforter. I don't know what your translation may say, but Helper, Helper or Comforter. The idea is that it's called Paraclete in Scripture and is come alongside of you. So if you have an Advocate, it's somebody that is advocating on your behalf, that is there for you and with you, walking alongside you. The idea of a Helper, like, hey, I need some help right now. You got to deliver got a helper he's going to come alongside he's going to help comforter he's going to consume you cover you comfort you so this idea of the holy spirit jesus saying there's going to be somebody that comes after me and he is going to do the things in you that i have been able to do and so he says i'm going to send the advocate as my representative that is the holy spirit he will teach you everything and he will remind you of everything i have told you all right Let's jump over. John chapter 16, just a couple of pages. John chapter 16, verse 7. All right? It says this. And Jesus is still teaching these guys, but in fact, it is what? Let's say, let's say it together. It is best. It's not good. All right? It is best for you that I go away. It's not, it's not good. It's not going to be okay. It's not, hey, you're going to figure it out. Jesus said it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then, he, then I will send him to you. So Jesus preparing these individuals, these disciples that are going to carry the message, that are going to continue to teach the things that Jesus taught. And we see what happens fast forward. Let's look over. Acts chapter 1, all right? So flip over to Acts chapter 1. Just a few pages over. Acts chapter 1. Now, this is kind of within still that 40-day window. So remember, 40 days after the, the resur uh, resurrection, these 40 days, he's there before ascension. So Jesus appears to this group, and he says this. He says, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. All right? So Jesus, in his teaching, if you go back, the Holy Spirit, he said, is with you, but it will be, he will be in you. All right, so he's, he's making sure they understand. Holy Spirit, he is with you, but he will be in you. All right, so you take it and you look at it and say, and you will, what's going to happen when he comes upon you? You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All right, so here's, here's what's happening. And, and this is interesting because back in that time frame, there were a lot of teachers and prophets. There were people that proposed and said, oh, I know all these things about God, and they would kind of get a following. There were people that followed them, disruptors in, in society and community, and they'd kind of get a following, rebel rousers, and they'd get a following. And here's what's going on, is that Jesus resurrected, telling them, hey, listen, you're going to be my witnesses all time, everywhere. 
when this power comes on you. And here we are, check this out, this is just good. Here we are, we're 2,000 years later, y'all. 2,000 years later. All those other prophets, we don't know who they are. They were forgotten within a year or 10 years or a generation. They're not written about. They're not talked about. We're not telling everybody about them. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still telling people everywhere about Jesus. That, that's something different. That's, that's unique. It changed the course of history. So what was it? I believe it was this. It was you take the truth and the power of the resurrection that happened 40 days prior, and then or 50 days prior, and then you come to the, the promise and the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, and you put those together, and that combination set in motion, set in motion, unexplainable, extraordinary events in history. It, it's incredible when you think this power that God delivered at this time changed the course of history. So let's look at it. What happened? When did it happen? Where did it happen? Acts chapter 2. Hit over a page. So on the day of Pentecost, all right, so make sure we understand this. Passover, which happened during the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, Jews were gathered in Jerusalem at that time, and so they were celebrating Passover, the Passover feast. Fast forward 50 days, and this was ancient in, in, in history uh, of Jewish tradition. You fast forward 50 days, and they would celebrate the Pentecost feast, and they would gather for Pentecost, and they all came back into Jerusalem. So this was the Pentecost feast. So it coincided with the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus at Passover to the promise and, and gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So today in church history, we celebrate today as Pentecost Sunday. It's, we don't talk a lot about it in most churches, but that's what happened within that 50-day frame or time frame. So today, as it says in Scripture, on this day, Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, all of the believers, probably about 120, it could have been as the 72 or the 120, it could have been up in that 120 range, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Probably some big upper room or maybe even a temple that was beside the house or conjoined with the house, but they were meeting in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. All right, so this, this sound, it wasn't the wind was blowing, didn't come through and blow everything off the table, but there was this sound of this windstorm. And it wasn't just contained in that room. This windstorm caught other people's attention. It was loud. And it says this, then what looked like tongues of fire, um, uh, tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. This is where some of you are like, you're going to talk about tongues. I'm not, all right? We're not talking about tongues. Here's what we're talking about. And this is what's so cool, because if you read on right there in Acts, here's what's so unique about this, is that is they began to speak in other languages. Because of everybody that was gathered, there was other Jews and converts to Judaism who did not speak Hebrew or, you know, the, the language of the city. And so they would come in and they would, they would hear the gospel and the good news and the, these miracles of God in their own language. And they were going in amazement. They're like, what is going on? He's telling these things or he's saying it in my language. And I get it. And so all of a sudden there were other people who was like, hey, hey these guys are drunk. 
These people are drunk. They, they're just kind of babbling. And Peter stood up. Peter, remember Peter, 50-something days ago, denied Jesus, said, I don't know who he is. And now you fast forward, the Holy Spirit fills him. And Peter says, no, it's only 9 in the morning. They're not drunk. I mean, you know, they could have been, but they weren't. And so Peter's like, it's 9 in the morning. They're not drunk. And so Peter then begins to say, listen, let me tell you. And Peter delivers a sermon at this point in time that Scripture says that over 3,000 people heard, responded, believed in Jesus, were baptized and added to the church that day. Think about this. You go from 100 where all of the believers are gathered in this place. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, fills them, begins to speak in other tongues so other people will know this and hear this as far as like africa libya and egypt the northern parts of africa all the way over into rome people were gathered from into jerusalem and so you hear this in their language and they're taking it back peter sharing the gospel three thousand being added this was the catalyst of what happened in the church as the gospel went forward and this message of jesus carried forth it's the reason we're here 2,000 years later I mean think about it when you go back and you look in scripture and you see in the book of Acts there's all this great work of the spirit in the lives of the apostles and other disciples you can read about that and I encourage you to go back through the book of Acts and see how the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit did in their lives to give them a boldness and a passion and a desire to continue to spread this mission of Jesus and then you go forward and you look at it and you see the early church of what God was forming and shaping in, in the face of persecution and all that they went through. And God was at work and doing something incredible because the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit was delivered. Now, let's, let's fast forward. 2,000 years later, we're sitting in Dawsonville, Georgia, right? Here we are. We're in Dawsonville, Georgia. We're still talking about this. But let's personalize it. What does it mean to you and I? I mean, we can look back in Scripture and we can see the power and the work of the Holy Spirit and what he did in the lives of those early believers. But what about you and I? What, what is the Holy Spirit doing in your life, in my life? How is he active? Am I seeing the power of the Holy Spirit in my life? Are you seeing the power of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life? Let's look at what Paul said. So Paul, part of this 12, he was probably gathered in this upper room. He then just changes the course of history. He starts churches all over everywhere, and he's writing to the church that he started in Rome. And so as he's writing to the church of Rome, he kind of gives us a glimpse as he's talking and teaching them about the power of the role of the Holy Spirit. He's teaching them like, hey, here's how the Holy Spirit can be pre preeminent in your life. So let's look at it. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So turn over to Romans. Romans chapter 8. And it says this. In the latter part of verse 3, it says, So God did what the law could not do. So the law was sent to make us right with God, but the law failed in that. God knew that it was going to fail. So God said, I'm going to do what the law couldn't do. And so what did God do? God sent his own son in body like the bodies that we have, we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us 
by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. All right? So we grew up in church. We know this. This is the exchange life. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. So that we could be in right standing, not held accountable to the law, but be in right standing with God, not because we've met the requirements of the law, but in right standing because of our relationship with Jesus. All right? So that's what Paul is setting up. So he's satisfied with us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. So this is unique. So we know what Jesus did on the cross, the the role and the accomplishment of what Jesus did on the cross for us. It made us in right relationship with Jesus. But now the Spirit had entered, entered the picture. The Holy Spirit in us has entered the picture. So all of a sudden, Paul starts changing. Look in verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. I've been there. You've been there. We think about sinful things. Sinful thoughts creep up. Sinful actions creep up. For those that are dominated by that, we think about that. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. All right? Then he goes on. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? Death. It does, always. It leads to death, death of relationships, death of joy, death of, um, you know, contentment, uh, fulfillment in life. It leads to death. But then it goes on. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Underline that, circle that. Man, the role of the Spirit in your life. When we give Him preeminence, when He is, he is in control, it's going to lead you to life and peace all right that is good news for us let's carry on for the sinful nature is always hostile to god it never did obey god's laws and it never will that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please god verse 9 but you making sure you those who have been have exchanged life you have exchanged your life found life in christ but you look at this you are not you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm controlled by my sinful nature, right? So Paul's saying, he's not saying, hey, listen, you're not going to war. You're not going to battle. We know that. We as believers know that there's always temptation. They're always giving in to temptation. But Paul is saying, it cannot be the dominant factor in your life. If you are always controlled by your sinful nature, man, you're not going to find life and peace. You're going to find death right so Paul's like you're not controlled by your sinful nature you are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you and remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all verse 10 and Christ lives within you let me stop right there now I don't know if if, as a kid I accepted Christ exchanged my life as a kid I was 11 years old I can remember talking to the pastor about it and being in vacation Bible school and all those kind of things. And in my mind, as an 11-year-old, as well as I knew, I heard them say, you invite Jesus into your life. So in my mind as an 11-year-old, this little miniature Jesus is going to come into my heart because I'm inviting Jesus into my heart, right? Anybody else kind of like, that's, yeah, I remember that. All right, so little Jesus coming into my heart to live, and that's what I thought. Guess what? Jesus doesn't live in you. Jesus is on the throne, being exalted and worshipped for all eternity, 24-7. That's where Jesus is. But the Christ life is in you through the Holy Spirit. 
And so Paul is driving at that. So you see some language of like, is Jesus in us? No, the life of Jesus is in you. So in Christ lives within you. So even though, even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been raised or made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you or give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. All right, there are so many teachings just within these few verses that we could go on and talk about. I mean, it, it could, you, know, you could look at it and say, okay, we could take, tackle this, this doctrine, this thought, and this idea. And I mean, it could go a thousand different ways. But what I want to do is I just want to draw our attention to really what Paul's main point is. There is this battle that wars within us. There's battle of the sinful nature and the spirit. And what Paul is saying, listen, more than anything, you have to recognize that the spirit of God, person, the, the spirit of God, unique, the spirit of God, distinct, lives within you. At the point of salvation and conversion, when you exchange your life, the spirit of God was deposited in you as a believer. And so the Spirit of God lives within you as a believer and wars against that sinful nature now. And that's what Paul was going after. He's saying, make sure you understand that he lives within you to set you apart, to put Jesus on display. And that's, what's, that's what the Spirit came. The Spirit came to testify to the things of Jesus, to show Jesus in us, to put Jesus on display in us. So the role of the Spirit in large part, is to put Jesus on display, that you understand the fullness. But what else does the Spirit of God do in you? So let's look at some things that the Spirit of God does in us, all right, and does for us. It's a list we've got. I think it's going to be up. The first one is he empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us, all right? So we looked at it in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He's going to come on you in power, so he empowers us. He gives us the power to live for Jesus, to be a witness for Jesus. So he gives you this power. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? I, let me illustrate it with this. How many of you, you've ridden a dirt bike before? Raise your hand if you've ridden a dirt bike. Come on, we're in Dawsonville, Georgia. About half of y'all have. That's good news right there. All right, so all dirt bikes, really all motorcycles have power bands. But two-stroke motorcycles have a very unique power band. It is a highly active power band. Like, you can be on the throttle, giving that motorcycle a little bit of gas, and then when you hit it, the power band kicks on, guess what? You can be on your tail really quickly. Like, it'll throw you slap. If you're not holding on, that bike's gone, and you aren't. That's the power band. It's just when the, the, the optimum power of the bike and the RPMs hit kind of this optimum power. Kind of like the Holy Spirit. Within us, we have the Holy Spirit. We have more power in us through the power of the Holy Spirit than we recognize or that we realize. And the power of the Holy Spirit is not just some force to just kind of pull in and say, oh, I need some power today, you know. It's, it's, we don't utilize it. We get to know him as a person. And he is going to give us power. So he empowers us, all right? So he empowers us. Uh, number two, he speaks, and let's look at a few things of how he speaks to us. Number one, he teaches us. He teaches us. John 14, 26, um, it talks about him, him teaching and, and continuing to, you, you will understand the things that he is teaching and saying, as Jesus was telling the disciples. But here's what's going on, is 
I don't know about you, but there's times where you read scripture and you're like, I don't, I don't really get it. What's God saying? Some of you, you began to read the Bible and you just put it away and you're like, I don't understand. And, and let me just encourage you. Don't do that. Continue to pull out the word. Continue to read it. Even when you don't understand. But do this. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you as you read. You know, when I became a Christian at 11, and I didn't grow much, but at 15, I was like, all right, I'm going to get serious about this Jesus thing. And so I just began reading the Bible. I didn't understand it as a 15-year-old. But man, the more that I read it daily, the more that God would speak, and his Holy Spirit would speak to me, revealing things, allowing, allowing me to understand things. Oh, this passage goes with that, and that, oh, there's something together here. And I would begin to understand that. So the Holy Spirit... He teaches us. He speaks through his word, through, through, the, through the word, and he speaks to us as we read the word. All right? Number next, guides us. All right? So uh, John 16, 20, uh, 13, he gives us discernment that allows us to make wise decisions. He guides you. He is going to make sure that you understand what truth is. And so he's going to guide you. He's going to speak as he guides you. Next, let me, let me give a quote here. Elizabeth Elliot, she was an incredible um, godly woman, missionary, author. She said this about the Holy Spirit being a guide. The Holy Spirit can and will guide me, as she's writing, in direct proportion to the time and effort I will expend to know and do the will of God. And that's good. So what she's saying is like, if I'm going to spend some time talking to God, I'm going to spend some time in God's word, and I'm going to expend that time and that effort, then guess what? And if I expend that effort and time to get to know God and to do his will, then guess what he's going to do? He's going to guide me. I don't know about you, but there's, there's things in my life over time I've just needed guidance on. Like, am I supposed to move? Are we supposed to go there? And, and are we, is this what we're supposed to do? Like, do we really need a fourth kid? You know, that, like, guide me, please. You know, those kind of things. God is there to guide us if we'll simply listen. So he speaks to us, he teaches us, he guides us. Next, he convicts us, he convicts us of sin. Now, if you have the Spirit of God in you, then he is going to convict you of sin. He's going to say, mm, no, that's, that's not good. When you're driving down 400 and all of a sudden you want to put another, a different dove up in the air, then you know what should be going? Like, that's not like Jesus. So, you have to control. You have to look at it and say, all right, you've convicted me. I need to respond. I hear you. I need to respond. And so he convicts us. First Thessalonians says this in chapter <clears throat> 5, verse 19. It starts, it says, don't stifle or, or quench the Holy Spirit. So don't quench the Holy Spirit. What does that look like for us to quench the Holy Spirit? Is that when he does speak, we ignore. That's one of our greatest sins, actually is ignoring the voice of God in our lives. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and he wants to just say things to us that will just turn all of a sudden, man, I, I just want to encourage us, we have to listen. So what does it look or sound like when his voice, and, and when he speaks to us? So here's what his voice does. His voice calls us back into communion with God. You ever, you ever been in, away from God, and you're like, all right, I, I, just, I feel so far away from God. And like Brian said a couple of weeks ago, like God hadn't moved. He's still there. And the Holy Spirit is just calling you back. Maybe you're in a season of life right now. You just feel distant. And the Holy Spirit is just calling you back. He's saying, come on. 
come in, draw near. His voice also points out the duplicity in our lives. It's like, ah, that that doesn't line up with Jesus. That's not not gospel fruit. That's not stuff that, that, you know, should be on display. And so there's duplicity in our lives. Then there's his, his, his voice admonishes us to make amends in relationships. And there's a relationship in your life right now that's kind of wonky and sideways and you, you need to make amends. You need to be the first to go and say forgiveness. And y'all, I am the absolute worst at that. I don't, I mean, like, I'm going to just tell myself because I know that half of you are going to raise your hands and it's probably going to be men. But, like, I'm just saying, like, I'm terrible at going to my wife and saying I'm sorry. That, that's even hard to say right here, you know, like, I'm, I, it's, I'm, you know, I mean, it's tough. Man, his voice is beckoning us and calling us just to go make amends. His voice seeks to control the emotions in our heart when fear, jealousy, anger, things that we experience in relationships or in, you know, stores, um, all those things that pop up. And he's like, I want to quiet that. I want to speak grace and truth and love and mercy over you. I want to speak that into your life. His voice encourages us to love and show compassion. Like, oh, don't, don't go there. Just show love, compassion. He speaks to us to do that. His voice speaks truth and grace to us. The, the things that you hear, that what the enemy would want you to hear about you in relation to you and your world, His voice is saying, no, there's grace. There's truth about who you are in relation to me. And that's what the Spirit's voice is speaking to us. Oswald Chambers, an incredible, um, uh, he was an old preacher and and writer. He wrote a a devotion called My Utmost for His Highest, which I love and I just always go back to. But he said this. He said, the voice of the Spirit of God is as gentle as a summer breeze. So gentle that unless you are living in complete fellowship and oneness with God, you will never hear it. And if you are not sensitive enough to detect it, to detect his voice, you will quench it and your spiritual life will be impaired. And he wants to speak to us. And that happens because we are knowing him, we're we're getting to know him, we're reading scripture, we're talking to him, we're sensitive to that voice. What else does he do? He gifts us, he gives us gifts. Each one of you, you're gifted, all right? You don't know it, you may, you may know it in your world, but he gifts you, he has gifted you for the building up of this church. He's, he's gifted us, and that's what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Holy Spirit prays for us. In times where you don't know how to pray, what to pray, your prayers are like, oh God, I don't even know how, I, please help, you know, I don't, it's in the times of distress, in times of need, in times of want, in times of rejoicing, in times of celebration, all of those times when you don't have the words, the adjectives, and all of the things that you need to say to God, the Spirit is coming alongside of you as a helper, and He is interceding on your behalf and praying to God for you. That's incredible. And lastly, he forms us. He forms us. So as he forms us, it, it's, it's making us more like Jesus. So in you, the spirit man, the spiritual nature of who you are, and then all of a sudden that, 
that sinful nature pops up and it's kind of like welling up over here like a cancer and I was like, nope, we're going to chop that off. That's not Jesus. Let's, let's chop that off. Let's remove that. Let's, 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 let's do some evaluation. And so he is always forming us, causing us to be more like Jesus. He wants to see the fruit of the Spirit on display out of our lives. So he forms us. So this is what the Spirit does. So as Paul is writing to the Romans, he's also writing to the church at Galatia. And he's kind of pulling these, these ideas and these thoughts together. And he's saying, listen, you're always going to be at war. You're always going to have this kind of tension of living the sinful life and the spirit life. But here's what I want you to do. I want the spirit to dominate. I want this, you to live and walk by the spirit. In Galatians 5.16, he says this, let the spirit guide your lives. In other translations, it may say this, to walk by the spirit or to keep in step with the spirit. See, here's the, 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 the idea is that the spirit is always moving. He's always, I mean, he's just like, oh, let's go over here. Let's do this. What about this? It's not this constant, drawn on, got to walk the line. This is, like, this is boring, you know? Like, I mean, this is what we're going to have to do. No, it's not that. The Spirit is moving in powerful ways. It's our opportunity just to keep in step, to walk with him, to find out what he's doing in the fullness of what he's doing in other people's lives, in our own lives. See, I, I think this, this is, this is, as he's shaping us, he's shaping our hearts, our minds, our emotions, our will, our desire. He's shaping us. And as he's shaping us, he is calling. And as he's calling, he's giving us this idea of like, all right, this is what it could be. 2,000 years later, this is what it could be. So what does that mean for us? Ultimately, the reason that I and you can be all in and say yes to every facet and calling of God in our lives, the reason we can be all in is because God was all in. God promised that there would be a way for us to have a relationship with him and he delivered on that promise in Jesus. Jesus promised and said, hey, listen, I'm going to leave you, but it's best for me to leave because I'm going to give you power to live the life that you ought to live based on that relationship with God, the Father. And so here we have the Holy Spirit giving us the power to live the life. So the reason I can be all in is because there is power within me to do so. I want you to think through and just think about what does that look like just for you personally? What, what, what kind of steps could you take to help you kind of live that life? And let me give you just two things really quick. There's one, it comes from a pastor um, who, who he, he said this, he, the Holy Spirit, is a person to be known, not just a force to be utilized. So get to know the Holy Spirit. Y'all, dig deep in Scripture. Like, I, I know this hard. It's hard to make time to just read your Bible and, I mean, just to make time to talk with God. If, if you drive, I mean, just... Throw it in there, man, listen to Scripture. 
Let Scripture just kind of fill your heart. This gives room for the Holy Spirit to speak, for you to get to know Him. So get to know the Holy Spirit. Talk to Him. Walk with Him. Listen to Him. And then second is pray. We're, we're going to close today just by praying. So here's, here's the thought is as you pray and you think about what you want the Holy Spirit to do, ask the Holy Spirit to do this. Number one, Holy Spirit, remind me. Remind me. He's there. He is active. He's living. He's within you. Ask him just to remind you. Remind you of this. Remind you of who you are in relation to him and who you are and who he is in relation to you. So remind me. Remind me of your power and your role in my life. So just right now, not out loud, just say, Holy Spirit, remind me. Remind me. Remind me who I am. In relationship with you, just remind me of your role in my life. Pray that constantly. Pray that consistently. Holy Spirit, remind me. Second, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with your power. Fill me with those things that make me more like Jesus. Right now, say, Holy Spirit, fill me. As I walked up the stairs, I said, Holy Spirit, fill me. I don't want to do anything in my power. My power is useless. I want it to be in your power. Holy Spirit, fill me. And last, Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Guide me into your truth. And guide me in each moment of my life. Just pray that right now. Holy Spirit, guide me. Maybe there's something right now in your world that you need guidance on. That it is, it's critical. He goes before you, that he is in it. He's guiding you in it. Holy Spirit, remind me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, guide me. And I just pray that as we as believers, 2,000 years later, we don't lose the fact that the same Holy Spirit that was delivered to believers, that caught and caught fire in the early church, that we get in a place where we just diminish the role and the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, where we don't see what God could do in and through us. Holy Spirit, remind me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, guide me because I want to be all in. I want to be all in because God, you were all in. Let's pray. Let's put before God. Father, I pray that your spirit is speaking right now into our lives. God, there may be conviction of sin in our lives. There may be reminders of who we are. There may be truth that you want to just speak right now, or guidance that you want to give. 
So God, I pray that we are in a place, our hearts are in a place that we can hear it. Maybe this morning you're here and you would say, Chad, I don't know that I've got this exchange life that you talk about. I don't know that I have Jesus, this Jesus life and the Spirit of God living inside of me. If that's the case, this morning, after we sing this song and Trace closes, there's going to be people down front that just want to pray with you and talk with you about that. Or maybe you just want to talk with somebody and pray with somebody, and you can do that down front. Or maybe even the song, during the song, you just want to sit in your chair, you just want to commune and talk with God, and just ask God through His Holy Spirit to fill you, that you would walk in power this week, in victory. that the spirit nature within you would well up, the fruits of the spirit would be evident. So God, I just pray right now in this space, in this time, that you'd work in our hearts and our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.